Are there any kids here? I can see a few. Stace, you want them to come forward? Yeah, please. Stacey's going to be doing a children's talk, but you've got to come forward. Otherwise, you're not going to see everything. Oh, she's got a bag. She's got cool stuff in there. Come. <laughs> Moms and dads, if you want to come with them, that's also fine. We were all children once. Yes, can all the boys and girls come sit right here? And some can sit on the floor if you want. Who loves cheese? Like it? Like it? Everyone does. Do you love this flavor? Strawberry with bits. What? Strawberry juice with apple. Yummy, right? Do you guys know how you drink this juice? How do you drink this juice? In a glass, right? Got a glass here. I just pour it in the glass. Let's do that. What else? Then drink. That's all. Okay. And enjoy. I like that. But what if I decide, you know what? I'm going to put some water in this juice. I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Do you think this juice is as tasty as this one? Who wants this one? <laughs> You'll try this one. Oh, no, I don't want you to get sick. because your mom and dad? Yeah, no, I don't want, don't want problems. <laughs> okay, so when we think of this juice, when I thought of this juice, I thought of the word of God. The Bible says we must take the word of God as it is, right? Read it. But now there's a verse in the Bible that warns us that there will come a time where people will want the word of God to fit their lifestyle. There'll come a time where people will want the word of God to be diluted for them to fit in, you know, for them to, for, for it to make sense to them. And there's a scripture that I want to read, if I can. <laughs> uh, this scripture is in 2 Timothy chapter 4. I'm going to read verse 3 and 4 only. Hey, it says, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. So they can't, there will come a time, which I believe we're living in those times, right? Right, Paris, do you agree? We're living in those times where people want to hear whatever they want. They don't want to take the word of God as it is. But today I encourage us as young people, because I'm talking to you, I know parents listen. I always say parents listen when we talk, right? I want to encourage us as young people to read the word of God and apply it, apply it in our lives as it is. Okay, can we pray? Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, Jesus, that you speak to us through your word. We thank you, God, for your word that we have and we know what you want, my God, in our lives because we read your word. And I pray, God, that we'll apply it in our lives. And I pray, God, that we'll be the doers of the word and just not the hearers of the word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. Can go back to your parent. Thank you, Stacey. <laughs> there we go. Absolutely. <laughs> Help me. So, boys and girls, now you can open your packages because now you've had the fun talk. You know, the poor adults have to listen to the boring one. But um, these are going to be given to the old people in the old age home in the next week. So, if you finished coloring in and you were and writing a message inside, you'll see. It's a card that Auntie Bronwyn made so beautifully, and you write a nice little note to them. Now, remember, some of the people that live in the old age home just next door here don't often hear from their family or their grandchildren 
and they don't often receive anything in the post. So this is something that's very special for them. So if you finished with one, you're welcome to do a second one. Okay. And there's some sweeties in there. We should have put toffees because then you chew them and you can't. But we put little other juby things that you can suck on <laughs> and you can chew just to keep yourselves busy. Moms and dads, thank you that you have brought your children to church this morning. And we know that God honors all the input into their lives. And so thank you for bringing them here. And I know that when it's long weekends and holidays, it's a little harder to get up in the morning. And so I just want to say thank you that you brought your kids here this morning. I would say thank you to the wives for getting their husbands out of bed, but then I'll be in trouble, so I won't do that. Right, so like Stacy said, we need to look at the Word of God in its original form. And sometimes, I don't know if you've ever, who remembers photocopy machines? Hey, remember those things at school? What were they called with that like, purple writing on them? Aronio, I think it was. And you would set things up if you were a teacher and you would put them there and you'd roll them off and they would make copies. But what happens as you roll them off? They get lighter and lighter. Ever try to print something on the printer when the toner's running out? Hey, the first copy is fine and then the second copy is a little bit lighter and a little bit lighter until eventually you can't actually read what's going on. And just like with Stacy's juice, it gets diluted. The Word of God doesn't need to be changed and adapted all the time to become something that we understand because then it kind of wipes out what was there originally. So as a church, friends, we need to go back to the original church and see what they were doing and see what God had in mind for them so that we can have a look at what God has in mind for us. These were some of the Christ followers who had known Jesus himself. Can you imagine having met Jesus and knowing him and being his disciple? But then he, he went up to heaven and we're not sure what to do when we get left here on our own. And that's why we read the story in Acts that we'll read in a little bit. And then we're also going to see what the church and the scriptures can teach us for today. Because we often look at the Bible and we think, oh, it's an old book full of history. But remember, the word of God is alive. The Word of God doesn't change. The Word of God is relevant today as much as it was all those years ago. Before Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead, he tried really hard to explain to his disciples what was going to happen to him. Can you imagine trying to explain to somebody what was going to happen? I'm going to get crucified and I'm going to die and I'm going to rise again. It's like trying to explain to a teenager today how a rotary telephone works, you know. They don't really know what it's about. Or can you imagine explaining to your grandparents? I've often thought of this. My gran was a great cook. Can you imagine explaining to my gran, who passed away probably 20 years ago, that when you feel like supper, you get in the car and you just drive past the restaurant <laughs> and they kind of hand it to you out the window. You know, <laughs> we do that. We take that for granted. But can you imagine how out of the world it must be to those who haven't done that before? And so when Jesus was explaining to his disciples what was going to happen, it was very hard for them to get their heads wrapped around it. You and I have heard the stories for years, but this was the first time they were hearing about it. Jesus wants his, his disciples to understand how much he loves them and how much he cares for them. And so friends, if that message is also for us, he wants us to know how much he loves us and how much he cares for us. So our first reading this morning comes from the book of John, chapter 14, verses 1 to 14. And the title is Jesus Comforts 
his disciples, which is an odd way to put it because he's still alive and yet he's comforting them because he knows what's coming. And Jesus says this, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the, pla the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas, who Jim spoke about a little earlier, Thomas, the one who always doubts, the one guy that's always got the questions. Anybody have anyone like that in their family? Oh, that one guy that always asks the questions, that one girl always wants to know why. So Thomas has now heard this and thought, not sure that's really going to work. And he says this, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you'll know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? He's like, come on, guys, I've been showing you for the last three years who the Father is. But still, they're getting their heads around this. Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. The rather it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Again, a difficult concept to get our heads around. Father and son are kind of the same thing, whereas in our world and the way we see things, there's like father and son, you know, as they get older, <laughs> father and son. But, but they're different people and different generations and different things. But in God, they're all the same thing. He says this. Believe me when I say I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. and They will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Kids, doesn't that sound like a great offer from a parent? Ask me for anything you want, and I'll do it for you. And moms and dads and grannies and grandpas and adults in the room today, imagine asking God for what you really want. Imagine taking him up on that promise and asking him for what you want and what you need and waiting to see what he does for you. Friends, this passage comes just after Jesus had washed his disciples' feet. He was serving them. This is their master, and he's serving them. He was showing them how to love one another. Jesus never stopped teaching his disciples in the ways of the kingdom of God. It was very shortly before he knew he was going to be crucified, and yet he still took every opportunity to teach them about himself and his father. And friends, he never stops teaching us either. Have you ever looked at a Bible verse and you know you've read it before, but all of a sudden God is saying something different? I know when I was young, it was everybody knew John 3.16 off by heart. I'm sure we can all say it. Can we say it together? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not die but have eternal life. 
we learned that and we understood it and it's in our hearts. And as we get going with memory verses with the kids, they're going to have some of those verses in their hearts. But then one day I was reading that passage and God showed me the next verse, which has since then become my favorite verse. It says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world should be free. And so friends, let's not get caught up in what we think we know in the Bible and then just page over those scriptures we've read before. But let's go for another round and read them again and see what God is telling us today. Jesus told Jesus after he told them that one of his disciples would betray him. That is when this passage happens. And he told his disciples one of them would betray him. Now imagine, they've been his disciples for three years. They've walked roads, dusty roads with him. They've seen him do miracles. They've, they've been in crowds. They've stayed with people and ministered to them. They've seen Jesus heal. And then he says to them, one of you is going to betray me. And they didn't want to believe it. Friends, I don't think we would want to believe that we ever would let Jesus down. But yet we do. And this passage unfortunately shows us a little bit that even the disciples who walked so closely with Jesus had times when they let Jesus down too. But yet what does Jesus do? He doesn't say one of you is going to, decide, going to, um, is going to betray me and then get up and walk out the room. No, <laughs> he carries on serving them, carries on loving them because his love is greater than all those things that we can do. Jesus is talking to them also after he predicts that Peter will deny him. And that's almost unbelievable. Peter was the most gung-ho disciple of them all. And he would take on anyone who argued with him. And yet we all know how the story ends. Peter does deny Jesus, even after he had very, very passionately cut off a man's ear just the night before. When the going got tough and when the chips were down and when people were asking questions, he also denied who Jesus was. It feels like this passage comes at a time of lots of emotional turmoil. There was all this stuff going on and Jesus was saying stuff that really upset them. He was saying things like, you know, you're going to betray me and, and Peter's going to deny me and you're going to, you're going to, you know, be different. And don't you think that today, here in Midstream, here in this church, here in our homes, we are also dealing with a lot of emotional turmoil. There have been some interesting statistics come out of the COVID pandemic and how many of us are dealing with sort of delayed trauma from what happened then. You know, we've watched preschoolers who are very anxious going back to school because we taught them for two or three years to be nervous and to be scared and to put on masks and not to play together. And now we say, oh, it's fine, go and play, go and have a sleepover. And we're like, what? I wasn't allowed to do that for so long. How many of us have got relationships that are just bubbling up with horrible emotions that we don't know what to do with? And sometimes we can suppress it. Sometimes we can distract ourselves. But there are still emotions and relationships that need healing. In this time that we're in today, we have a lot of fear, especially in our country, we are nervous, we are fearful. How many of us have got electric gates and fences and tracking devices in our cars and alarms in our houses? Have you ever spoken to somebody who comes from overseas? They think we're crazy. They walk around freely in the streets and we don't. And it's the kind of thing we just absorb all the time. But that kind of fear and anxiety lives within us. 
And sometimes it ends up in depression. Sometimes it ends up in trauma. Sometimes it ends up in addiction. But that's how we choose to process or not choose or we manage to process what's going on around us. And so these disciples were there on that day and Jesus was telling them these things were going to happen. And they were in a very emotional time as well. So maybe we can take these words to heart. Maybe we can hear Jesus comforting us and saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe in Jesus. He is the way to get through this. The second reading that we have today, I've just got to find the right notes, there we go, um, talks to us about there being a room for us in God's house. And I don't know how many of you have ever been to visit a granny. Anyone here ever been to visit granny? Huh? And when you get there to visit granny, how many times is granny expecting you? Hey, grannies, isn't it lovely when the kids come to visit? And what do you do when they come to visit? You just chuck them in the spare room and just move all the rubbish off the side? No, I know what you grannies are like. You tidy up and you make it pretty and you get it ready and you put something that they like there or a nice color or you cook some of their favorite food. You prepare a place for them in your own home when they're coming to visit. And that's what it's like. And that's what Jesus is describing when he says, there is a place for you in my home. So when I get to heaven one day, there's going to be a place for you. It's like when you're visiting your parents as an adult, even though we're grown-ups, we still like to eat what mommy cooked. And we still, um, my kids are a little bit older now, two of them in their 20s, the one is almost in his 20s. And whenever they go on a trip or a school tour or something, they come home and I always say to them, what would you like for dinner? And I love cooking, so I'll cook them anything. They could ask for weird and wonderful stuff, I'll make it. What's the first thing they always ask for? Macaroni cheese. I kid you not. <laughs> and it's not even a fancy recipe. It's the same macaroni cheese I grew up on. But it's their coming home meal. When um, my oldest son went on a trip into, up into Tanzania um, on a mission trip, and he'd been there for so long, I thought he was going to ask for like steak or something. Came home, wanted macaroni cheese. You know, it's just something about coming home. And friends, that's what Jesus offers us. He says, one day when you follow me to this place where my father is, it's going to be like coming home. I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare this place for you that you will feel like you belong, that you will feel like they want you to be here, that you will feel your father coming and saying, come your home, come and sit with me. It's that feeling of warmth and going home. It's not the feeling of, of, of wondering if there's a block of flats and you're going to be, get like, you know, on the 13th floor in the corner. You'll have a place to stay, but you're not sure. No, it's that home and you're going to come home to Jesus. Not only does Jesus promise to always have a place for us, he tells us that we can follow him there. You see, Jesus considers you and me to be his disciples too. And so those promises and conversations with the disciples if you think about it, they didn't get diluted. They made it into the Bible. And so we can carry on following those words. And he made those words for each one of us to follow too. Jesus considers us his disciples and these instructions are for us. And so friends, I want you to think for a moment. Do we feel comfortable with Jesus? Can you kind of let your shoulders relax a bit? Breathe out, get comfortable. Can you be comfortable around Jesus when you're talking to him? Or are you still full of anxiety and worried 
that he's going to be cross with you. Because friends, I promise you, he's that dad that is looking forward to having you at home. Doesn't somebody want to give this little guy a colouring thing to draw, please? Thank you. Where's Auntie Prim? There we are. That's okay. Sickly will sort him out. Thank you very much. So when we get home with Jesus, we're going to feel like we belong there. And then we can catch up with the early Christ followers. And we can catch up with Jesus and know that we're all there together. And so friends, let's take these instructions to heart. And let's see where we can spend more time with him in the week to come. Are we secure? Do we feel so close to him as we sang about earlier? And then when we catch up with the early Christ followers in the book of Acts, which was written with the early disciples and the early church. Have you ever heard people talking about the Acts church? We should be like it was in Acts. So this is the original church. This is like the, the first copy. This is the one that came fresh off the printer when there was still lots of ink. And we're going to see what God said about what we should do. And so we're going to read from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. And it talks about the fellowship of believers. And it says this. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Imagine if our community here at MMC could be adding to the number of those who know Jesus as their own personal Savior every day. This is what the early church was all about. This was the original blueprint. We get a snapshot of what it was. And then we look into our church today. Do we get a snapshot of the same thing? This is how the early Christ followers behaved with each other. And these are the things they need, that we need to hold on to. We don't want them to get diluted or faded. Or we don't want them to get to be, you know that last little bit of oros in the bottle, huh? And then you fill the glass with water and it tastes like nothing. But it's not quite water, it's just got that little bit in it. That's not what the scriptures are going to be for us. We want the scriptures to be that fresh squeezed strawberry juice that, that Stacey had. That strong, beautiful flavor that makes us happy. Here at MMC, I would love to think, and, and for me, we've got a lot going for us. And friends, we get some of these things right. So we're not sitting here to say we, we, we don't know what we're doing and we, we need a lot to work on. But a lot of these things we do get right. But there's still some things we need to work on. We need to study the scriptures together more. If you're not in a life group, we're going to encourage you in the next while to join life groups. That is a small group where you can explore the scriptures together, where you can talk about it to each other, and you can share in fellowship and in study and in learning in your journey with God. We need to look for those things that we have in common. Friends, we have so much in common, those of us in this room, but we also have so many differences. So what do we focus on? And it says there, it says... Um, 
Oh, I can't find it. But it says, there we go. All the believers were together and had everything in common. So all they found was the things they had in common. And friends, as children of Christ, we have plenty of things in common. So let's focus there as we explore things together. We can give more to those in need. I know that we do and we make sure that people have food in many of the places. We go to a children's home, there's an AIDS clinic and there's other ministries that we give food to. But friends, there are lots of people in need and we are helping all the time. And if anyone's got any great ideas about how we can do more to help those in need, come and talk to the leadership because we know that God has a heart for the people in need. We can be more faithful in meeting together. And I'm preaching to the choir this morning, essentially, because you guys are here and you are faithful in your attendance. But it's not just about being in the chair on a Sunday morning, but it's about being here together. So I would encourage you not to let that little voice sit on a Sunday morning and say, I just sleep in once. Just get up, make the effort, come to church, because that's where we grow as a community. We can be more faithful in sharing life together. Once we get to know each other here in church, in our small groups, in the ministries that we get involved and we get to know each other. And when someone has a birthday, we celebrate. When someone's going through a tough time, we help. When someone's in hospital, we visit and we take food. We're Methodists, there's always food involved somewhere. Um, that's how it works because that's who we are. We can welcome others into this relationship that we have with Jesus by bringing them closer every week to where Jesus is. And friends, Jesus doesn't live here in this little spot. And then, you know, the rest of the week, he, he sort of stays here and waits. No, <laughs> Jesus goes home with you. Jesus goes to work with you. Jesus goes to school with you, friends. Don't tell the children. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Jesus is with you all the time. And when Jesus is with you, it's easier to bring others close to him. So what is Jesus' role in your life? Have you looked at those promises and have you taken them for yourself? Do you take comfort in his promise of eternal life? We don't want to think about death. Nobody does. But as we think about death, our, our Christian mind can just go straight into eternal life because we will be with Jesus one day forever. And what is your role in this church today? Many of us sitting here volunteer. Many of us here is, are in groups. We get involved. We reach out. We contribute to the church. But what is your role here in the church are we striving to be more like the Christ followers from the early church? Because I think that's probably the best way to aim. So let's not be an old faded copy of what we need to be. Let's stick close to Jesus and be a lot more like the original. Because friends, others around us are going to notice. You cannot be a Christian in your workplace, in your school, in your home, in your community without people noticing. Because once Jesus comes, he changes who we are. And people will notice that. So as we stick to our original blueprint, let's go into the week in a better way. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you are the one that has brought us closer to you. Thank you, Lord, that you are the one that has given us your word. Thank you that you've given us the example of both your son and your church for us to follow. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to wonder what you've said about being a church. Thank you that we don't have to wonder about where we're going one day, but we can know with great comfort that you've already prepared a place for us and you can't wait for us to get there. And so, Lord, as we go into the week ahead, 
We ask that you will send us into the week and into the world in a way that can influence others for you. In Jesus' name, amen.